It's This Week in Sleaze with your hosts, King Boo and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. So, welcome to This Week in Sleaze 5. And as Jingle said, this is Sleazy K. But I'm not with King Who this time. King Who uh, has just gotten married. And that means what? no This Week in Sleaze. But who is, uh, who, who is uh, whispering in the background? Is there someone whispering in the background? Or am I just hearing voices in my head? It actually is someone whispering in the, in the background. I brought in someone who uh who? you know who who have brought in who hopefully will be a future co-host and uh, all of that so uh you know I, I gotta look at candidates that are suitable for this week in sleaze and obviously you you turn to someone who mentions rape every other podcast he's on and obviously that's uh, v cinema uh, josh so say hello buddy <laughs> Every other podcast? Well, every then. <laughs> More like it, yes. Yeah. That's really nothing to be proud of. But yes, it is I, <laughs> commandeering the Podcast on Fire Network. <laughs> and starting on the most suitable show to start, and then you'll infiltrate all the classy shows after that. <laughs> Wait, this isn't... Uh... <laughs> this isn't what uh, what's Korean cinema? Sorry. But uh, we just... I thought we were... I thought we were doing a double bill of, like, uh, saving my hubby and uh, please teach me English. Well, we should be here for four hours, then. <laughs> there we go. Uh, right on. Uh, stuff with the uh, rape stuff. We'll mix them in, you know. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, before I explain what we're actually doing tonight here, uh, is, uh, we, we obviously got to get something out of the way first, you know. Hopefully you'll be a future co-host, uh, and uh, and obviously I call myself Sleazy K and all of that, although I don't, uh, you know, turn into a different character, but obviously Jared was King Who, but, you know, do, do you want to call yourself something, Josh, you know, uh, uh, you mentioned on Facebook uh, yesterday some wrestling jokes, you know, Lord Joshua Regal. <laughs> <laughs> we can run with it, you know. It for might sure. not be Category 3-esque, might not be Cross, but, you know, I recommend getting a stage name for this particular show. Oh, yes. Uh, especially when we get to, uh, you know, stuff that is not, nothing you want to share with your even closest friends. You know, I, oh, I envision you doing a Men Behind the Sun podcast someday. Hell yeah. That's not something you want to discuss uh, openly as such. But, uh, but uh, you know, Joshua Regal, Lord. Joshua Regal. So uh, yeah, it's almost uh, Mexican now. Yeah. I'm I'm bringing the class. That's oh. what it is. Okay, you know? yeah, I, bringing yeah. the like the regal attitude to it. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, exactly. And you're already uh, you know taking on uh, taking on sort of a, a higher in status attitude than uh, you know <laughs> elitist. Exactly. Yes. So I, I I never thought of that. I never went for you know <laughs> Sir Sleazy K or Mister or even Lord. I I mm-hmm. kept it at the same. Same disgusting uh, level. I, I I left myself in the puddle all throughout this series, and so you, I, you, you've got a lord and you've got a king. Yes. With you, so. and, and then I'm the guy that everybody kicks in the face and uh, spits, spits at. Make me my coffee. That's why I'm the show host. But uh, that's all. I'm going to explain what we're doing, of course, and then we'll do some contact information. This is a double bill that we've been promising, the sort of double bill review format, and we're doing Escape from Brothel and Robo Tricks tonight. 
And, you know, who doesn't like the notion of a double bill, connected or not, you know what I mean? And uh, doing these kind of shows in between the sort of special shows, our, our started exploitation journey is going to continue. We started with The Night of Nights, the Shaw Brothers movie, the, one of the first that show off any kind of flesh and it's uh, started controversy and all of that. That's the journey we are going to continue. But the, the double bill will allow us to sort of crank out shows a bit more easy, I think. And, and to mix it up is a, always a good always a good thing uh, because... Uh, having a history lesson every show could be kind of tiring, especially at three hours and what have you. So, uh, But uh, these movies are part of history too, so it, this might be a history lesson for some. You know what I mean? Mm. But, uh, you know, I recommend, if you can't find the movies Escape from Brothel and Robotrix, go watch them now and then come back to our sort of uh, discussion to, to enjoy a post-discussion on the movie. And uh, that'll be fun. It's not a commentary this, but uh, that'll be fun. These are two easily digested uh, movies in terms of running time, and hopefully you'll like them as well. So I recommend that. Go and watch them. Bye. And, <laughs> and then we leave uh, exactly three hours of silence. Right. Okay, just just kidding. Uh, okay, contact information. You are listening to This Week in Sleaze on the Podcast on Fire network. Uh, our website is podcastonfire.com. We, all the shows can be contacted on the same email, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Our message forum is podcastonfire.com forward slash forum, where you'll find the members-only archive of cut conversations and exclusive content, exclusive movie reviews. But we won't be filling up that area uh, that much instead we'll focus on bonus episodes uh, for the various shows on the network we've done two so far and uh, we have another uh, one in the pipeline uh, right now so uh, that'll be fun uh, and, and it is kind of fun to do bonus episodes because it's on the website but it's only available to the website audience not the Stitcher audience not the iTunes audience so uh, um extend your This Week in Sleaze experience, extend your What's Korean Cinema experience, what have you. It's just uh, an easy thing to do, and I like it. And we stole it from, obviously, the very best. Um, at least uh, I looked at it that way, and I obviously stole it from V Cinema. The, the, maybe not the bonus episode format, but the fact that we can do bonus episodes. So I looked at the very best, and then brought it down several notches by doing it myself. <laughs> no. Uh we are also on Facebook in uh, two ways. You can find our page at facebook.com forward slash POF network. But we also have a discussion group that you'll find by searching in the uh, search box of the Podcast on Fire network. And the discussion group will pop up there. And uh, join us and uh, we'll, uh, we'll discuss whatever, including uh, the upcoming shows, the current shows and uh, past shows and what have you. Uh, we're also on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. Me, Sleazy K, I don't do... Just sleazy reviews uh, nowadays, as some of you might know. I do a whole mix of ninjas and horror and category free and uh, all cool stuff in between. And that is at sogoodreviews.com. I also put up uh, little video reviews of that uh, content on sleazykvideo.com. And I'm also on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews. Podcast on Fire Network is, of course, on iTunes. So rate and subscribe us. And you can also stream us on the application Stitcher, either... Download it to your computer or download it to your smartphone and listen to us that way. You can add each show individually by searching Podcast on Fire Network. Uh, and um, aside from, we mentioned your participation on the cinema, Josh Lord. 
but uh, <laughs> mainly mainly because I don't think it's uh, heard and discussed enough out there. Mainly, uh, I want to hear, uh, first of all, the website URL for Varied Celluloid, and uh, then you can jump into actually what Varied Celluloid is. So go okay. ahead. It's uh, variedcelluloid.net. It's a website that I started back in about 2003, and uh, coming up the next year, we'll be going on our like 10-year anniversary, so that's exciting. But uh, Varied Celluloid is a website that focuses on everything, every aspect of cinema that's kind of like off of the mainstream, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, it, it kind of represents my direct influences and basically what I've been watching on a regular basis since I'm like the main reviewer on there. And uh, so there's a lot of Asian cinema that pops up on there as well as just bizarre films or like whatever that might come across, you know, my insane, you know, list of films. And uh, yeah, it's a website that everyone should visit because it's so great. <laughs> and like it's fun because I'm like talking on there and I'm like, hey, did you like this movie and stuff? And people are like, yeah, on top. <laughs> it's really good. But no, turn all the alley girl like on me now. We uh, cover everything though: Godard, Truffaut, Godfrey Ho. It's all good, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I don't know why I remember this the most, but I, I really enjoyed when you put up the review for the Chang Chia movie Slaughter in, Slaughter in Xi'an. Yes. Uh, that uh, sort of 1987 Chang Chia movie, way, way distant from Shaw Brothers, but there, <laughs> wow, <laughs> that movie has two or three wow moments uh, actually, oh, and uh, maybe we'll get into those uh, on this very show sometime. But uh, I'll, I'll link to re- review to Slaughter in Xi'an in the show post, and we'll leave it at that for now. Yes. But uh, I, I do remember you putting up that review, and I was so delighted that someone was talking about that movie <laughs> at all, you know. Uh, which is uh, something I admire. Uh, yes. y- you do uh, continue, uh, continually uh, participate on the cinema. What's your role on the cinema? What's your official position? I'm the dumb guy. I'm the okay. <laughs> I found a kindred spirit there because I'm the dumb guy too. <laughs> I'm the guy who's like, <laughs> okay. I'm I'm next to Doctor Stan Glick and John, who's like a genius. So. Uh, I'm just usually the guy there to offer very basic analysis. <laughs> ah, don't sell yourself short, man. You're, I mean, you're, 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 you're a team, baby. Yes, you're a team exactly. over there. You're... We work well together. Yeah. And, um, nah, I'm, I'm there, I guess, I don't know, to do whatever it is that I do. And uh, I don't really have, like, a specific area that I think that I'm particularly strong in. I just kind of watch a lot of different types of Asian cinema. Mm-hmm. I do pay particularly, you know, heavy attention to, like, fight choreography and stuff like that. That's something I, I usually talk a lot about. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I just try to um, keep uh, keep myself well-versed. <laughs> hey, you're, doing a great, you're doing a great job. And uh, there's nothing bad with having, like, a, you know, two spaces on the web in this case that offer up, you know, multiple views on mm-hmm. you know the different movie viewing sites of you you know uh, so it's uh, it's nothing bad with uh, bringing versatility to uh, right uh, to to the podcast world and then the, the reviewing world so uh, 
so, uh, so so good on you doing a great job yeah. over there so yeah. um and th- this commitment to this podcast obviously will never ever ever get in the way of uh, the cinema i, I promised uh, coffin john that and i'll i will beat that. me if it does exactly it's very um, rude man <laughs> uh all right well um i'll talk a little bit more about w- double bill before we go into sort of one question that i have and then launch right into the movie so you know the the concept of a double bill at this weekend's least does not mean here that uh, that will be for three hours. Uh, th- this is more, as I say, our relaxed shows, uh, relaxed show where we'll review two favorites or non-favorites. Uh, it'll ju- maybe it'll be just fun to talk about two really shitty movies uh, to, because no one is, and uh, that might be fun in itself. And they might be connected, they might be semi-connected, or they might not have any connection. You know. Two mm-hmm. two fucked up movies might just look good together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Very true. And and ju- judging by the titles tonight, you know, Escape from Brothel and Robot Tricks, you would think we were going for a non-connection here for our first one. Uh-uh. Surprising. No, no. Billy Chow is a ruthless killing and raping bastard in both of these movies, so they have a connection. And <laughs> and, and there's some similar filmmakers as well, but it's Billy Chow mainly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Billy all day. So uh, you'll hear more about that in a tiny, tiny bit. B- before we launch into that, we brought up a question in one of the early shows uh, on, on a serious note that I've always had a tough time answering. And uh, I always am fascinated to hear the answers, though. So, you know, you're obviously a fan of exploitation and horror and a variety of movies. But but you are, you know, you do like extreme cinema to an extent. and. Mm-hmm. Do you ever find yourself in a position where it's kind of hard to defend the content in some of these movies, you know, uh, be it rape or, or yeah. you know, questionable violence, or, or or it's really not worth defending yourself because the people who question you are not people worth having the discussion with at all, you know what I mean? Uh, there's definitely some truth to that. Uh, I guess, you know, if I do have, like, any kind of strong suit as a film watcher or whatever, it's probably in the extreme market i guess you know I've, I've throughout the years I, you know like a lot of people I started off as a horror movie fan first you know that's what kind of got me into you know cinema i usually give you know blame to like the evil dead being the first film that i actually looked at as being wow this is you know there's more to you know movies than just telling a simple story you know mm-hmm. there's a lot more that goes into this and that was the movie that kind of got me i guess started and um you know, since then I've kind of delved into a lot of really underground stuff and stuff like, you know, the German splatter scene mm-hmm. and like, uh, you know, the Japanese underground faux fo- snuff type yep. movies and stuff like that. Muzani, Psycho the Snuff Reels, Guinea Pig series, yep. all these really horrible, horrible movies that, you know, there really is almost no way to defend them, certainly not to certain audiences. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that. You know, you kind of hit on that with, you know, well, you, you know, these people aren't really, you know, deserving of an explanation. It's not that certain people aren't deserving of an explanation. That's kind of, that would be my elitist way of looking at it since I'm the Lord. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's just that certain people kind of close themselves off and have knee-jerk reactions to certain things. And it's understandable because, you know, my God, how do you talk to somebody about necromantic and not sound like a freak, mm-hmm. you know? Because you're talking about a movie where, you know, the whole uh, the whole purpose of the story is basically some guy having sex with dead bodies, you yes. know, and it's 
you can't really defend that. You know, it's just all it is is really there's a line in the sand, and you want to see kind of how far that line goes. In the case of Necromantic, it's kind of an art house movie, so it's yeah. probably not the best example. But like Psycho the Snuff Reels, it's a girl being cut to pieces and people having sex with her dead body and, you know, cutting holes in her and having sex with it and stuff like that for like an hour and a half. Mm. It's completely and utterly a horrible thing, and you go, you know, who the hell made this? And it was some guy with, like, the last name Anal. He was like a porn director. But these, this is horrible stuff, but why do you watch it? Because it's there, and you want to see how far it can go on, like, almost an experimental level. And if, and you're, secure, of, if you're secure in yourself, then you know you're right. not going to be changed off to that. Uh, exactly. You know what I, mean? I, don't, I don't wear death metal T-shirts, and I don't walk around, <laughs> you know, sitting there wearing, like, guinea pig T-shirts and stuff like that to flaunt it. You know, it's just... This is cinema, and you know this is the land of the brave, buddy. You know, in yeah. my opinion, you know, there's certain lines that aren't meant to be crossed, but you know what? Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to cross them at some point, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't. Re- it's not something for everyone, obviously. You know, not everybody wants to be desensitized in the way that some of us have been. Mm-hmm. But I look at it as an art, and I like to see how far it can go. You yeah. know. Oh, definitely. I, I've always been fascinated with extreme cinema. I kind of caught on to it late because I didn't know I had the, uh, you know, I had the stomach for it. So I, I sort of very late saw movies like Cannibal Holocaust and mm-hmm. and, uh, and even some of the, you know, mo- movies like Dr. Lamb and what have you. I, I saw those relatively late in my Hong Kong cinema fandom because I didn't think I would have the stomach for them. They are tough to take, no question right. about it, even Dr. Lamb. Uh, I mean, there's even a shot in Dr. Lamb that I don't know for certain is legal. They, they look for pictures that they found in yeah. family house apartment, and it looks like child pornography pictures. Right. And you go, whoa, go, you, you know, you, you are jolted, but I don't, I, I, I kind of turn off my brain, and yet at the same time, I do not, obviously, because I still, I, I know I have feelings still. I, I right. am humane still. I, I can watch, uh, I can criticize certain movies heavily and still look at them overall. Cannibal Holocaust is one such example. There's, inexcusable stuff in it i can watch it and i think it's an amazing film overall but it uh, go uh, it's uh, it's uh, there's a few missteps in there obviously that like my first experience with cannibal holocaust i was probably it was probably around a little bit before i started buried celluloid mm-hmm. and uh there was a time where i was like i'll never watch cannibal holocaust you know i have no interest in ever seeing you know animals being butchered and you know i am an animal lover but i'm also you know and i'm also a very peaceful person too, you know, I don't believe in any kind of violence or anything like that, Mm. and, but, you know, there's a certain part of you that sits there and goes, you know, hmm, you know, how far does this go, is it really as bad, can I handle it, you know, and that kind of just draws you into it, and, you know, I have no interest in, like, real human suffering or anything like that I, I'll never be able to sit there and watch uh, those real death tapes and stuff like oh, that no, that's no, no. Not, not who I am there's no artistry to that there's nobody faking anything or anything like that that's just pure it's almost to uh, a level of pornography in my opinion you know mm-hmm. and it's like if I'm not aroused by that I don't want to be watching it yeah. And uh, but there are people and I have friends that do you know watch that sort of stuff and for some reason they think it's funny or what have you but that's that's on them that's not my cup of tea but you know as far as like faked you know cinematic deaths and things like that you know I'll pretty much hang in there with pretty much anything mm-hmm. just to see you know 
how far the rabbit hole goes. Yeah. But that's an, it's one of those arguments that certain people are going to just be like, they're going to be too closed off to be able to understand that. And maybe rightfully so. I, yeah. you know, I can't say that they're entirely wrong or that I'm entirely right on the issue. Yeah, exactly. Uh, ho- ho- hopefully you, you can have that kind of discussion, though. Where, yes. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, I, I've never been pushed into a corner that way, but I don't really talk about... Exactly. Th- these you kind don't... Of with, uh, you know, I've never talked with my colleagues at work about a Serbian film because uh, oh that would just earn me a beating. And uh, uh, rightfully so. so. I went out. I went out on a date one time with a girl, and it, it wasn't that long ago. And she had seen a Serbian film, Uh-oh. and she was, but she she was kind of like a hipster chick, and uh, she was like, you know, telling me about it. And I was like, yeah, it was all right, but you know, I've seen worse. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> so one of those things where you probably just should keep your mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it didn't work out. Right. <laughs> so Sorry to hear that. <laughs> Started out well. But Um, we'll launch right into it now instead here with the double bill and because we can <laughs> and we're starting uh, we're starting also because we can we're starting with the newest of the movies first and that is Johnny Wang Lung Wai's violent prostitute drama Escape from Brothel from 1992 starring Pauline Chan who was in From Beijing with Love played the assassin with I think some guns in her um, boobies or built into her clothes uh, Rotty Ghost Story 3 was one of her first movies. She's also in Slave of the Sword, one of my favorite movies. Uh, and it co-stars uh, Reina Murakami from Sex and Zen and Alex Jetpack Fong from the Angel movies and One Night in Mongkok and the various other movies. And the plot, and I took this from my review of the movie for once I could write some sort of semi-coherent plot. Yeah, that's my least favorite part of reviews, uh, writing plots. But uh, here oh, we go. me too. Uh, the character of Hung, played by Pauline Chan, works as a prostitute along with Ren and this is Reina Murakami, and they work out of a small apartment, and uh, plans when going from the mainland to Hong Kong were different for for uh, Hung, though, as you know, she's married a man who sold her off quickly to pay off his debt, and then she ended up as a prostitute. Uh, while she's in Hong Kong, she is, she is missing, uh, yearning for her... Um, sort of a ex-love, ex-boyfriend, uh, uh, gymnast Sam, played by Alex Fong, uh, who's struggling with an injury uh, back home. Uh, he does work, but he's uh, not a gymnast anymore. And he takes the chance to get to Hong Kong when a couple of his old buddies are asked to assist a businessman who, in fact, are hiring them to rob his own store for the insurance money. And as these things go, robbery goes horribly wrong, with Sam being the only survivor and... Uh, he seeks out Hung, which makes them both and their environments targets of Billy, played by Billy Chow. Uh-oh. One of the businessman's trial connections and a vicious one at that. So there you go. There, there, there is some background to talk about in, uh, in terms of this movie, uh, or rather the 
environment in Hong Kong at the time. The category free trend in Hong Kong, in the 90s Hong Kong cinema, is mostly recognized as being kickstarted with true life serial killer stories such as Dr. Lam in, uh, during this very year, 1992. But this new decade also started to provide the scene with successful period erotica again. The likes of Sex and Sam, Erotic Ghost Story, and certainly hostess dramas, which this kind of is, uh, such as Girls Without Tomorrow, Curl G- Call Girl 92. D- these were mainstream movies uh, without playing up the adults-only factor. I mean, Girls Without Tomorrow stars uh, Maggie Jung and uh, a lot of other you know, known actresses, but it might be a punishing movie, but not a category-free movie. But... Uh, and yeah, uh, downbeat and all of that and unfair. But then comes a movie like Escape from Brothel with a downbeat, unfair fury from Shaw Brothers' baddie turned brutally violent director, Johnny Wang. And you're not kidding around. He, uh, he, he was intimidating on screen and definitely behind the screen as well. <laughs> uh, it, it's actually his last movie as director, Escape from Brothel. His last piece of celluloid boxing match uh, with his viewers. <laughs> Uh, after this, like solid string of actioners, including Hong Kong Godfather, the famous Hong Kong Godfather, City Warriors with Dick Wei, and the Jack Chan stunt team directed Angry Rangers starring Ben Lam. Yeah, good little movie, actually. Uh, more brutal because it's uh, not bloody brutal, but sort of uh, it has painful stunts and it sort of fits very well into the Johnny Wang canon, despite uh, you know stunt team hurting themselves for our pleasure and possibly his pleasure. Of course. <laughs> Um, notes on the various versions of Escape from Brothel it's not easy to watch this uncut but we got to watch an uncut or close to uncut version that was released in the Netherlands uh, by Eastern Heroes Mm. Uh, and the reason uh, by the way they released it under their four the number four Bidden Asia label promising uncut Hong Kong horror and softcore movies which uh, was not true in all cases because there are movies like Philip Chan's uh, Thriller Nightcaller, which is this kind of uh, Hong Kong giallo almost, very good. But it wasn't category free, despite uh, the the multiple frees on the cover. It wasn't even cut to begin with in the UK, which Escape from Brothel was. It was cut by over six and a half minutes. Mm. Not much left there, so... uh, (laughs) So that gore tag was true in some cases. Uh, thankfully for Escape from Brothel, it was uh, actually very much true. And uh, it, it's, it's a unique version because uh, even with the Category 3 rating, the movie was still cut as presented by Ocean Shores over in Hong Kong on home video on uh, VCD and tape and Laserdisc. Uh, but this VHS, again, from the Netherlands, which is subtitled and, uh, and Cantonese language, it presents the movie in the longest version, which includes a few snippets of electrical torture that wasn't in uh, that wasn't fully in the Hong Kong versions, and the gory violence. And it includes a character we we will have spoilers later, but not right now. A character beating another character to death with a stone, and you see brain matter in close up and all of that. So uh, that was cut. That's sort of an insert shot. Uh, and if my memory is not wrong either, the, the, the Hong Kong version cuts some of the more graphic shots during the Billy Chow Sophia Crawford fight because she's nude. <laughs> uh, I think there were essentially shots of her that were a bit too full frontal. You know, yeah. bush shots. Yeah, bush shots trimmed, pun intended. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so, so that's your background on the movie, and uh, we, we'll go into our sort of joint discussion here. Uh, I think. 
for, for the sake of discussing Johnny Wang's work here, I need to spoil a few things. So if you haven't watched the movie, which we encourage you to do at the beginning of this, pod, of this podcast, please do so and, and come back to the review afterwards. So consider this your spoiler warning. And the, the way I structure these things, uh, Lord, is... <laughs> is that we say our sort of brief opinions first and then go into discussion. So what do you want to lead with in terms of um, your brief opinion on the movie? Brief opinion of Escape from Brothel. Uh, This was one I had actually put off for a really long time, but uh, I was glad to finally catch up with it. You know, I heard some mixed things before, but uh, recently it was covered on a podcast without honor and humanity. And yeah, uh, not too long ago. And Jake gave it a rounding endorsement, and so I was like, oh, well, you know what? Those people I heard from before must have been idiots. And it turns out, yeah, they were. Because <laughs> <laughs> this movie doesn't pull any punches, brutally violent, sleazy as all get out, and just a disregard for any sense of morality. Okay. Uh, this is great cinema. Cool. Citizen Kane-esque cinema. Wow, that's a quote for a potential Blu-ray release. Remember <laughs> exactly. that? Podcast on Fire Network says <laughs> Citizen Kane. Lord, the Lord has spoken. <laughs> exactly. And in my brief opinion, I, it's a like opinion, obviously a yay. Uh, tough, gritty, raw, sexy, a little bit uneven, but mm-hmm. uh, not overall a bad film, overall, uh, absolutely not. It's stylish, coming from this director, and it's yes. a kick to the head and balls and everywhere else. And the word unfair you have to embrace when it comes to this movie. Yeah, Johnny Wang was never known to hold back, and uh, again, while uneven, I'll spoke I'll speak of that uh, in a while. The overall punishing effect is worthy of praise because you you feel like you've been beaten afterwards. Yes. Um. So I'll I'll lead with um, you know, f- from the top, you you I I instantly made notes because the opening credits are kind of uh, distinguishable. Because mm-hmm. Johnny Wang again was never known as a stylish director, but the opening credits are interesting. It's uh, arty, absolutely arty, and uh, it, it was never his kind of intent to be arty. But uh, here you have Pauline Chan in various stages of of sadness. Uh, she has this resigned face, and the score is really downbeat. And uh, it's it, I, I don't know where this came from, but but I really like it. It's uh, it seems like almost. Uh, trailer footage that you shoot as a teaser trailer for the movie and um or like um some kind of like they're taking photos or something like that because yeah it doesn't really you don't you see this opening scene and you're under the impression that you're going to be in for something a whole lot more classy or something than uh what you actually end up getting it's like a, a black sound stage with the leading ladies standing you know around flowers and things like that in various stages of an undress while uh jazzy type music plays in the background it's it's very like uh it prepares you for some form of like classy erotica Mm -hmm. but i do like it actually it's not uh, because you have at the center you know uh pauline shan signaling some incredible sadness i mean uh, you you know yeah, exactly. That that emphasizes it uh, quite a lot as well, uh, and obviously we we know early on that this is a movie that is going to get the category three rating. Obviously, we got we get uh, Rain Murakami full frontal nudity mm-hmm. at the start, and, uh, and and again, hostess dramas like this necessarily weren't category three. You know, again, you had Call Girl '92, Girls Without Tomorrow with Maggie Cheung. She's in Moonstar and Sun as well, which are borderline. 
exploitation movies. I think in one of those, she's mm-hmm. like forced to have sex with this obese, this obese man. That, uh, that I think it's the movie where this man or someone else in the movie has a, 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 a Sylvester Stallone mask on while he's having sex with her. And, and, and it's Maggie Chung on the receive, receiving end of this, and uh, there, there's some strange subtitles to, to go along with that. Oh, I've forgotten which, great. I've forgotten which movie it is. If it's Moonstar and Sun, or if it's uh, Girls Without Tomorrow, I'm, I'm leaning toward towards Moonstar and Sun. So I'm gonna look at that someday. Yeah, but it is quite interesting. And again, yeah, this movie is punishing, but it has some stretches of light, and uh, mm-hmm. and and you can't avoid speaking about uh, Stuart Ong's uh, yes. first scene in this movie. So, what do you want I... to say about uh, Stuart Ong here? <laughs> he shows up in the, both of the movies today. Yes, and uh, his introduction in this one is quite classic, to say the least. I like that uh, we go from the kind of classy, you know. The music sounds like almost like George Michael's careless whisper type playing in the background or something mm-hmm. like that. Go from that to this very Hong Kong comedy-esque situation with Stuart Ong paying for uh, these two girls who he believes are not hookers, but in fact are, what is it, a stewardess and uh, what was the other girl supposed to be? And a secretary. And a secretary. <laughs> he believes he's paying for regular women, like there's a big difference, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess he thinks they're virgins or something, you know? I mean, but he's paying for these regular girls, yes. you know? And uh, he's going to go up and have a three-way with them and everything like that. And what follows is uh, a pure example of why ancient techniques are the best. Yeah, he follows the twin dragon's sex secret sex manual, I guess. Uh, <laughs> that's what they translated as. It's not the Kama Sutra as such. It's the twin no. dragon's sex secret, you know, an ancient book mm. with uh, various uh, various uh, classy uh, positions, it sounds like. You know, jade, jade beauties mount the old abbot. So, but yeah, it brings up a point, actually, because it is a comedic sequence. And and this movie has a few, but what is your opinion about when the movie injects comedy? Do you think it disrupts anything, or do you think it fits? Uh, for me, it's a movie of very highs and very lows. And, you know, for me, it kind of worked. I just, I, I like that, even though there were, are some sequences that almost seem like they could have been cut out completely. Um, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but I'm thinking mm-hmm. especially of the, the sex sequence where um, I think the character, is it Anne? Yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, Raina Murakami's character. Yes, who uh, goes on the boat after she had <laughs> after something bad happens to yes. her, she take, goes on a boat and uh, has uh, sexual relations with this gentleman for no reason, and the scene takes like six minutes, and then afterward uh, they end with a big punchline gag of uh, you know, you've just slept with a prostitute now you're covered in diseases that whole sequence is kind of one of those things where you're just like, left kind of scratching your head, but things like this, this opening the splash of water thrown on your face after what you had seen previously with the kind of classy thing I think it, it wakes the movie up a little bit, and even though it's you know for all intents and purposes, just, you know, off the Richter scale in terms of, like, effing everything up, mm-hmm. I think that it, it manages to work in this environment, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I think this is one of the better comedic inclusions. Mm-hmm. In it, it never goes into I ah root and everybody starts acting broad like that, but yeah. it, it works in. Yeah. Pardon me. No eyes crossed, yeah, or, exactly. you know, hairy moles or anything yeah. like that. What's going on? Did you just have sex with her? <laughs> and uh, uh, despite, you know, that sex scene ending the way it does, you know, the final position where weight distribution oh, goes horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so it... It, it is fun, and, and it, it's the prime example where comedy kind of works, because it's the movie's not set up yet, you know, we've not been viciously hurt yet right. by Johnny Wang, or <laughs> not yet been fucked by Johnny Wang, you know, and Billy <laughs> Chow. So, um, and, 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 you know, it, they inject a little bit about, you know, the character, uh, Hung, Pauline Chan's character, is trying to work out future, and they sort of set a date when she get can get out of the business and cycle. But again, Johnny Wang is not about fairness and has not preached fairness before. So so if you kind of get a feeling, if you know Johnny Wang, if you know these kind of stories, you know that once you get out, you can't... Once you get in, you can't get out or you die, essentially. So, uh, And uh, the, this movie certainly works on that theme. But then you can argue that uh, he's not done with his comedic sequences, but uh, it's another sequence that works, and obviously it's the one that is quoted whenever Escape from Brothel is brought up, and it's uh, Billy Chow's intro, oh. and, and and certainly, therefore, the Billy Chow-Sophia Crawford uh, fight scene, uh, where yes. she's totally butt-naked nude. Buck-naked. Be, be, because why not? Obviously, it's a, obviously it's a sequence where where he's uh, he's picked her up in a bar and they have sex and then her boyfriend or husband comes in and uh, whoa you gotta pay for her now you gotta you gotta pay me now because you uh, you chatted uh, chatted her up and a, but a convention that later comes up in uh, Robotrix yes, as well. It's the same my dad. <laughs> this is something that obviously pops up quite a bit in yeah. Asian cinema. The scam of hey you know go seduce that guy and then later I'll pop in and you know we'll get some money off of him or whatever yeah. mm-hmm. but but it works because it's it's funny that it all of a sudden is a fight scene with uh, Billy Chow and Sophia Crawford but it is an intro for Billy because he you know he's a vicious character and he ends the scene with uh, actually not um, you know continuing to have sex with her he ends with raping her of course which, which you know there you have viciousness set up and uh, I, I just the scene, you know, it's it's one of those scenes where you, you know, when you watch it or whatever, you've heard so much about it, you almost don't want to talk about it too much. But it is kind of like a brilliant scene, mm-hmm. and the fact that it's set up where at the beginning of it, you don't know who Billy Chow is. He's this ch- dude. He's you know having sex with this chick, and you, you kind of feel bad for him. Some people are coming in, they're trying to hustle him and everything like that. And oh, he's a great fighter. So you immediately think, hey, this guy might not be a bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. That's where I was, at least. I'm like, oh, I thought this—I thought Billy Chow was a bastard in this. Well, and then after he starts beating the shit out of everybody or whatever, then he continues to own and, well, I'm not done with you yet, after beating the girl up while she's naked or whatever and has his yeah. way with her. Perfect introduction for the guy. And then another thing I like about it, just to throw it out there while I'm talking, is that uh, I like the fact that while he's fighting this naked woman or whatever, everything seems to move in slow motion, yeah. you know, so you can catch every little jiggle of her body. But then he'll, like, when he stops her, knocks her down or whatever, he'll go back to fighting someone else, some guy, yeah. and it speeds back up to normal time. But the second she gets back up and starts attacking again, <laughs> we're back in slow motion. Mm. It's like, 
and, and it's not really the cool slow motion. It's the step. It's the step printing slow motion. Yes. It's kind of blurry, but mm-hmm. uh, but obviously they knew how to sort of uh, highlight the sequence, and obviously uh, the way to do that is to to highlight uh, her and all of that. But it, it it's a brilliant kind of concept that not many movies did. Uh, I mean, I can only think of one movie that had any kind of nude fighting as such, and it's a scene out of Ninja: The Final Duel. Yeah, the uh, uh, Robert Tai movie, I think, the, the, which was a Taiwan TV series from the beginning. Uh, apparently, TV can have that, have that in Taiwan. What but uh, yeah, there, there, there's a nude fight in there as well, a pretty good one too. So it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's all good fun, even though this uh, this ends with uh, hurt. And uh, you know, I, I, again to to co- come back to the theme of uh, you know hurt and unfair, you know. Johnny Wang's violence really, you know, if there's a moment where we're reminded and sort of also notice the movie is when the plot starts rolling and the uh, the shooting of the Caucasian tourist happens after the oh, robbery. God. You know, yeah. that stuff hurts, you know, when the gun all of a sudden goes off, when the uh, tourist tries to stop them because they knocked over his wife. And then you have that. Uh, cut to that shot from behind the, the western guy and then boom the squid Damn. goes off brains everywhere yeah and that stuff Very hurts beautiful. that's real bloodshed you know no heroic yeah. bloodshed or stylish bloodshed it's just boom violence yeah and it's my favorite kind of violence because i sit up and take notice and am you know quickly affected uh and, and, it- and, and it's not fun affected you know i if there had been splatter violence, I would have gone, yeah, baby. And But this is, whoa, man. Yeah. You know, real. This is, you know, some guy on the street who obviously didn't intend to get involved in any kind of a crime or whatever. And then there's the other side of it also where you know that now that this has happened, that Sam, the character of Sam, right, Sam? Mm-hmm. Uh, the character of Sam is completely and utterly screwed. Yeah. You know? Now that they've killed a person on the street, not only a person, some foreigner, you know, they've killed this guy. He's going to have trouble with Billy. He's going to have trouble with the law. He's pretty much screwed in all directions. There's almost no way out at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, one second, blam. And he was always always scared throughout the robbery. He was yeah, never he one to snap to into, you know, the, the, uh, the robbery mode just to uh, gain a little money or whatever. You know, he was uh, completely paralyzed you know from the beginning so right. uh, uh we, we which makes it affecting even though that performance you know alex fong is in an undeveloped phase in this point yeah. you know, he's a great actor but he he had to grow into his looks he, he was more geeky at this point you know he mm-hmm. he was definitely not you know a, a stud or anything in the angel movies you know he, he i don't know he, he looked kind of nerdy and geeky to me and not very oh, convincing yes. Great fun, those movies, but, it, you know, compared to what Alex Fong grew into, if you watch his performance in One Night in Mong Kok and um, Double Tap and uh, there's a movie called Portland Street Blues, one of the Young and Dangerous spin-offs uh, where I first saw him. Very subtle actor, very... Um, he, he, he changed in appearance quite a bit, just became more handsome, uh, you know, end all, uh, you know, end off, uh, and that helped him. Sam is kind of... He's a sympathetic character, but it's it's not always easy to watch when he's, you know, pouty and geeky oh, and whiny, you know, because of his predicament. And, and eventually when finding out that his, uh, 
you know, his love of his life is a prostitute in Hong Kong, even though she wrote letters and said she's working in a factory. Obviously, yeah, heartbreak, but I don't... Alex Fong isn't handling that very well, and it's not yeah. very well directed either, to be honest. He's, he's not a... Uh... He's not a man of action, that's for sure, while he sits in the same room while his girlfriend is being, you know, sexed up by some pervert, you know, and mm-hmm. he's hiding in the closet, you know, basically doing his best MySpace face. <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend out here in <laughs> Yeah. And, and it, it, it's the kind of uneven phase of the movie, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll get to another uneven phase, but I'll I'll let you finish up your Stuart Ong story because we're we're in we're in the we're in the scene where I kind of oh Stuart Ong is uh, thankfully who we expect him to be in movies, you know, a, a vicious bastard as well. So do you want to explain yes. a little about the second scene in the movie? Yes, after his character basically tries to. Uh, commit to a very weird sexual position, falls down, blah, blah, blah. We cut away from that, and um, he is basically told that the girls that he's just had sex with are not, in fact, you know, a stewardess and a, uh, what was it again? Secretary. A stewardess and a secretary, my bad. Uh, That these girls are not a stewardess and a secretary, but are, in fact, very cheap hookers, and he's just paid, you know, a very large sum of money for, you know, basic everyday street hookers. He gets pretty mad, and uh, one of the girls, uh, I believe Anne, throws a bucket of uh, dirty water on him. And, and it ends, ends on a freeze frame, you know, the classic <laughs> Hong Kong-style freeze frame, you know, wah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, water, no! Yeah, so who knows how they got out of that situation at that point. I guess they just ran from Stuart Ong. And um, and then 30, 40 minutes later. (laughs) And then 30, 40 minutes later, because he knows where they live, too, because the other guy that told him that they were regular street hookers tells them what apartment they're in and everything. So skip forward. uh, The girls are chilling at their, you know, brothel. And in walks Stuart Ong with some uh, very strange-looking men, shirtless men and stuff with baseball bats, and we find out that he's also, you know, connected with the mob and is very powerful and basically owns these girls. Doesn't even know it, and they didn't even know it. So <laughs> what, a, what happens then is a very daring incident involving a baseball bat and a lack of lubrication. Yeah, forced baseball bat penetration. There's no yes. other way to say it. Not on screen, obviously, but uh, uh, it's Reina Murakami who's the recipient of this. Uh, you know, he, uh, Anne is uh, forced to do that to her. You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's not. It's not nice. It, no. it makes sense for Stuart Ong. You know, it's his on-screen character. We expect this out of him, but it's not nice. <laughs> I guess it makes sense. I don't know. That wouldn't have probably been my wait. We, wait till we watch Girl on Fire, sir. Then, then, <laughs> okay. then, then you'll realize uh, what we're talking about here. <laughs> yes, it's Stuart Hall. And 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 it's you know it, another uneven stretch of the movie is you know, obviously the scene that follows a few minutes after this is that strange sex scene on the boat and and, that... and the real mm-hmm. yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say yeah, like. After having a baseball bat forced into your vagina without any kind of lubrication or anything like that, the very first thing you want to do then is go, you know, whine on the docks and then have sex, you know, with some guy. Immediately, you're, you get horny, I guess, after a good baseball bat rape. 
don't it know. doesn't really make sense. <laughs> and her story is actually not very interesting in comparison to Pauline Chan's story, yeah. you know. And yeah. and Reina was even in Sex and Sarah, which is a great fun movie. She she's always been less of an interesting actress. Uh, she's a Japanese, I believe, a uh, Japanese AV girl. So so us try trying to buy that she's emotionally changed after the baseball bat and is changed after she fucks the dude on the boat uh it's it's just contrived and the movie is 97 minutes here was the minutes that could have made it a 90 minute movie and no mm. one would have minded you know what i mean you wouldn't even notice it because it has nothing to do with it it's just a reason to see her get naked yeah. and have her boobies squished together which I mean, you know, I, I, it's good you know yeah i mean johnny wang is aiming for steam anyway but overall yeah. it is a comedic gag this sequence is you know uh ends on and it doesn't really matter but uh you know if you want to see rena murakami in a movie uh, uh be naked in a movie by all means watch it but t- turn on your critical mind a little bit and realize that th- this sequence could have been cut easily i wouldn't have missed it uh, at all because th- this movie it's not about uh, you know yeah, ha- having fun with uh, thinking about uh, all the sex in the movie. It's not a sex comedy, <laughs> you know. It's a it's a drama. It's a damn vicious drama, and uh, this could have been cut out. So, uh, right. uh, so despite all of this, still present in the movie as we go on, is this tense atmosphere? We get a taste of this tense atmosphere, very lethal and bloody, bloody atmosphere. You know, a gory atmosphere and. Uh, and uh, the 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 drama that you experience once Alex Bong Sam gets uh, wind of what Hung does for for a living, you know, uh, in, you know it it is drama, but you know it's uh, they, they they stage melodramatic scenes where and this happens a lot in Hong Kong cinema where the characters are are, are crying and talking about their predicament. And, but the funny thing is, Pauline actually does fairly well here. Uh, I I think she, uh, out of these uh, other people involved in in such a sequence in this movie, I think she does it okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Comes out with her head on you know head high because. Uh, I always thought Pauline was a promising actress, and uh, uh, and I say was because unfortunately Pauline Chin, Pauline Chan is not with us anymore. She uh, she killed herself about eight ten years ago or something like that. Gosh. And um, yeah, for whatever reasons, I don't know if it's ever been documented if she had any problems with depression or what have you. But uh, mm. but uh, but unfortunately, that was um, uh, that was that. And I I saw uh, that she could have developed into something uh, e- even in this movie in slave of the sword which is again another category three movie there, there's still promise there and uh, i would have loved to see her develop uh, into something else and it's always hard to break out of the category three mold even though we have examples of uh, actresses doing that uh, mainly uh, shukei or shuchi did category three initially and then went on to become an award-winning actress uh, mm-hmm. after sex and sam to viva erotica and you know, and later, you know, uh, working in uh, Taiwanese art house movies and uh, getting acclaim and all of that. So it it can happen. I would have loved to see it happen for Pauline. Yeah, she has one of those names that I recognize, but unfortunately, I've just seen so very little from her. But she is good in this movie for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, you know, looking her up and everything like that, died at 29 years old. Yeah. You know, and she still had a whole lot. You know, still had the prime of her life basically to go through. Yeah, it's a shame. 
I, I, I want to make going from that and going to a comedic scenario that actually works in the movie. Uh, they, they're trying to hide Sam in this apartment that they work out of. Hide Sam from their mama son, obviously their employer. And uh, it's amazing though that Johnny Waring manages to make the comedy of trying to hide Sam fairly restrained, despite centering mm-hmm. that joke around a toilet scenario. His <laughs> <Yes>, diarrhea. <laughs> It's a yeah. diarrhea joke, <laughs> stretched out several minutes. Yes. And then Pauline Chan sits on top of him, and uh, Mama San can't spot him behind her, but she sits obviously way higher than she's normal naturally when she's supposed to be sitting on the toilet. That kind of it's still fairly restrained. I enjoyed that actually. Oh, me too. Uh, and, and I guess it speaks volumes about uh, her, Pauline, and kind of possibly uh, Johnny Wang's uh, belief in her that uh, you know we're gonna try this out we're gonna make the we're gonna make the toilet gag work here and uh, god damn it uh, it actually does work and they and, they kind of took the high road because they didn't make any uh, you know oh it smells horrible jokes in here either no. which was kind of a surprise and, and no sounds on the soundtrack either when they're uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> It was a very silent diarrhea, but uh, apparently, yeah. yes, yeah. so he obviously couldn't have been in that much pain. Mm. But uh, speaking of pain, and uh, you know, you, you you're kind of approaching the the end here, and uh, Pauline's face again speaks volumes about her torment mm. and, and and torment and notions about not sparing anyone. That's that is what we're gonna get, and and if anything. When talking about Johnny Wang, another term you can use for Johnny Wang, and, and, and I think you, you, you can agree on this because you've seen Hong Kong Godfather, is that he features animalistic violence in this movie. Tell me about it. I mean, uh, I mean, going back to Hong Kong Godfather, I mean, uh, not the best of movies, but man, that is, that is animals just slicing and slashing away and blood flying everywhere. Ah, you know, that, so, uh, and that's his like, first movie. You know, a, and he's still doing it in this. He's lost. Exactly. There's there's machete fights and stuff at the end of this film as well. You know. And and in this case, it has dramatic effect because mm-hmm. uh, it uh, towards the very end, obviously, uh, Sam is about to be able to leave for China again, be smuggled out out of China, and the boat that arrives is instead the Billy Chow, and his henchman also arrives at this uh, beach and this dock, and uh, you know this whole action ending where where we see these fates play out like this you know uh, they they're all affected with uh, inflicted with this unfair unfair types of violence horrible stabbings and it's just gritty and raw fight for your life kind of and 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 the thing is it's hard to fake also i think it's a type of action directing this gritty action directing that is not something you can you know, you have to take some bumps to mm-hmm. to sell this on screen, and I think Johnny Wang is one that I think uh, emphasizes that. You know, uh, you know, if you're going to be in my movie, prepare to be punished a little bit. <laughs> prepare to be thrown out a window. Yeah. You're going to be hurt. And 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 fire stunts uh, obviously are always uh, prolonged in these type of movies. You know, Hong Kong and Taiwanese stuntmen are insane. Oh God. Um, so, uh, but but yeah, it's um, it's it's uh, it's a terrific sad ending. Uh, Very without going brutal. We we actually won't reveal the very 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 very, mm-hmm. very end unless you feel you need to. But uh, otherwise, what's your notes on on these uh, fifteen last minutes of unfair violence? It, it's uh, you know, this is kind of a loose loose connection. But you're talking about the unfair, you know, work of Johnny Wang and everything like that. And it kind of reminds me of uh, Tom Mess's book on uh, 
Takashi Miike, Agitator, mm-hmm. the cinema of Takashi Miike or whatever it's called. And uh, he talked a lot about that, about his films, especially like his crime movies and stuff like that. The, basically, there is no escape from this life, you know. And the characters, you know, throughout the duration of the movie, once you look at it in that light, you know that something bad's going to happen. And basically, the sequence kind of teases the audience that, hey, you know what? Things might work out okay, you know. This could end you know, decently for, you know, our character, for Sam, and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe he'll get to the mainland or whatever, and everything will be okay, but then everything's just swept out from underneath you, and it is, it does work very well on a dramatic level, and the violence basically pitches this home, and, and like, there's this scene in it, like, I, I've made a note about it, where, like, in the midst of a giant machete fight that erupts during this, uh, there's some character who sees Pauline Chan, knocks her to the ground, and sees her panties, and he just licks his lips and is like, mm, never waste anything. He's yeah, about to... these characters turn into rapists in one second in these type of movies. <laughs> it's like that. And, you know, it's kind of silly, but it's also just this brutal, horrible world that these characters live in, and, uh... That's yeah, just what this movie's all about—just beating you over the head with it. You know, just kind of a has a disturbing atmosphere to it. And although it does have the light moments, I like you know I don't think that they take so much away from it. It's not like uh, Wes Craven's Last House on the Left or anything where you have cops <laughs> no, who no, ruin no. the movie or anything like that. This is a little bit broad, but it's not that bad. You know, mm-hmm. if, if that one sequence with Anne was cut out, it probably would be a lot more, uh, I think, steady. But this yeah, is just... and what about that sequence with the fucking peeper in the in the gym that dresses up as a woman? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you talk about not needed, but I don't mind it because uh, you know it's it's only lost for a few minutes. But there you go, you know, Prime Forty Four, you know, a Redux version, yeah. I can. <laughs> Eighty-five minute version. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. But spe- speaking of uh, the ending, we, we, we'll track back a little bit to one of the cuts to the movie that is present in this version. The, the way Billy Chow goes out is uh, actually Alex Fong smashes a head against his... Uh, smashes a rock against his head, rather. And, and the insert to him getting the rock smashed into his head like twice in the back of the head and then brain matter being on the ground, that mm-hmm. insert is actually new... To this version, uh, and uh, it's pretty, pretty heinous, nasty very, stuff, man. Very gruesome stuff. There's, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but there's the death also of a one character who we kind of love throughout the movie, who is repeatedly stabbed, and dramatically, you know, and also just, oh, just the pain of it. it very brutal, brutal violence in the yeah. last few minutes of the movie. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, we said we 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 said spoilers at the beginning of the movie, but we don't want to reveal every every everything. Though, so uh, we, we'll keep it at that. Uh, go, going back a little to uh, to uh, the uh, uh, the cut status, you you said before, and you're at least gonna try and watch the other version of Escape from Brothel you had. Did you get a, any chance to do that and compare a little to to the violence that um... I, I did? But I tell you, I'm just the world's worst at picking up on little things. The brain matter might have been missing. Hmm. It's um, actually the electrical torture of uh, Reina Murakami's character. I see, that the was in it, from but... uh, well, the shot from below uh, where. Uh, where you see, uh, you know, the electrical torture from below, and you see the uh, superimposed uh, electrical current over her breasts. <laughs> that is uh, new to the, uh, the tape version. That was cut out. Uh, that insert of a few seconds. 
Yeah, I probably didn't notice it. So, uh, because the scene is there, the sequence is there, but um, uh, that's uh, and 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 I know. I, I mean, watching the Hong Kong version wouldn't be akin to watching a you know a cut up and slaughtered version. No. I, I, absolutely not. But the the UK version you should probably avoid because six and a half minutes just sounds outrageously short. It sounds like it's uh, the entire good unfair bits of violence just lost and wasted and uh, and, and, and the BBFC at that time were probably pretty hard on anything sexual and anything sexual violent uh, I guarantee you some of the scenes probably with like the basically the uh, high kicks with naked girls in their face and stuff like that that mm-hmm. sort of stuff and then probably the uh, brutal violence especially during the last 15 minutes a lot of mm-hmm. that stuff probably was cut out too but if resubmitted, I think it would have been ha, have a fairer chance there because the BBFC have at least from on a case to case basis started to look at movies mm-hmm. and try to look at them uh, in a context and see all the horrible stuff that they previously cut, but in context because Cannibal Holocaust today is almost uncut in Britain. Mm-hmm. It only has the killing of the rat in the beginning of the film. The that's a really sloppy Ooh. killing, yeah? Yeah, brutal. That is still cut. Uh, but the rest of the animal cruelty in Cannibal Holocaust is intact in Britain nowadays. And that speaks volumes about a country where any kind of animal violence in movies, context or not, is horrible regardless. Usually <laughs> it goes, goes right out the window because it's illegal. But they looked at this uh, with the director, uh, Deodato, and uh, apparently they... Uh, didn't think uh, they, they thought it had clean uh, killings. Mm. Uh, I think that was one of their reasonings. So, so there you go. Escape from Brothel, if resubmitted, might have a chance to pass uh, uncut at uh, eighteen. I think so. Um, so that, that that rounds up our main views on the film. I have just a, a three brief additional notes uh, that I didn't work in into my main uh, discussion and uh, and. I'm a big fan of VHS. Uh, I I grew up with it, and th- this movie is very stylish as well because it uses intense colors, you know, intense blues, intense reds. And I don't know about you, but I've always loved that on VHS in particular, where those mm. col- colors are so fucking intense that they bleed into everything. They do, especially the blues, the classic Hong Kong uh, usage of the blue. I mm-hmm. and uh, I, I don't know it. It's a nostalgic thing, of course, but I absolutely adore it. And uh, and this movie can be argued to be very well shot throughout. It's uh, you know it it's, a, is, yeah. it's a solid direction, not just point and shoot, and uh, and it has some colorful cinematography. And uh, it's uh, not every category three movie of its kind uh, or hostess drama uh, did have that automatically. So I think uh, Johnny Wang had learned a thing or two and worked with a pretty solid cinematographer whose name is Ray Wong Chi Wai, who has a fair number of uh, early 90s, uh, early 90s uh, credits on uh, various movies, uh, including on uh, another Hong Kong Godfather from 1991, which is an Andy Lau movie, actually, but, uh, <laughs> uh, which is not, not, not bad, so good on him. Uh, I'd also like to say a, a wonderful piece of action choreography during the uh, nude fight is the titty smash. Oh, yes, the titty <laughs> slap, yep. <laughs> In slow mo as well, you know. <laughs> of course, yeah. Because so, yeah. Because God bless uh, Sophia Crawford and uh, for taking that. Because it, what a I, brave performance. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
Wow. I, d- I don't remember offhand what other movies she was in. Sophia M. Crawford, let's see here. Well, well she was apparently in Temptation Summary, another Category 3 movie. I don't remember her from that, but there should be another movie. Done a lot there. of stunt work, from what I remember. Yeah, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, later... Later, yeah, she did stunt work on Buffy the Vampire Slayer later on in mm. Power Rangers. So, you know, she, she had a good, great career. Um, you know, not bad gigs if you can find them, you know. Handled all the nude scenes on Power Rangers. <laughs> She's filled in for uh, Trini and uh, for, uh, fuck, I can't remember the, uh, the Pink Ranger's name. Darn. Coming soon to Power, Power Rangers podcast or a podcast of Iron <laughs> So uh, and 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 finally, sometimes a cat free isn't a cat free without William Ho, who plays the inspector looking for and getting free sex. Uh, <laughs> William Ho is normally the heinous rapists in this in this these kind of movies. He's in Daughter of Darkness, Brother of Darkness, and uh, you know you associate William Ho with Category Three for those reasons. Usually, here's. He, he's on the right side of the law, so to say, but still gets to have a sex scene. So, there he's you go. not far from being a rapist in this, yep. though. <laughs> he's definitely with an unwilling participant, but yeah. Oh, it's actually my next last note. My, my final is, and connecting it to our uh, second half review, is uh, uh, the writer of this is uh, Jamie Look, who's the director of Robo Tricks, and he appears as the ex husband who sets up the boat for Paul, Pauline, oh. and Alex. That's uh, Jamie. With his uh, trademark uh, moustache, uh, that's nice. usually how you recognize him. So, uh, so that's uh, that's pretty much Escape from Brothel for me. Did you have any additional notes? Uh, I think we covered a lot of all the little things I want to talk to. Uh, nothing really. Billy Chow's the man, and let's watch him rape some stuff in uh, Rubber Tricks. <laughs> and uh, that's a good segue. So, see you <laughs> after the break, guys. Welcome back, and that, that was the serious movie of this uh, double bill. Now we're gonna watch the sort of uh, almost all light uh, movie. Billy Chow is in Robotrix, so he has some heinous scenes, but uh, overall, this is still you know sci fi, sex, Hong Kong style. Sci fi, sex, robot sex, some gore, Hong Kong style. You know, so you know you're in for a fairly good time. And the plot I, I took from, uh, not from my review this time, I have one in the pipeline that uh, goes up in a few weeks as of this recording, but I took the plot from some something else, someone else's review because they wrote so, so much uh, better plot and funnier plot than I ever could. So it's taken from the Attack of the 50-Foot uh, DVD review. So here we go. In the near future, androids are becoming increasingly common. Master scientist turned master criminal Ryuchi Yamamoto. This is actor Lam Chung in a brief cameo. He places his mind in a super powerful android body, and that would be Billy Chow's body, uh, after committing harakiri. Uh, He then kidnaps the son of an oil sheikh. He kills Lady Cop Selina in the process. That's one of our main characters. But, of course, Selina's mind is soon similarly ensconced in a super strong robot body and the fight scenes begin 
that's a good plot but uh yeah we we, we have some more and selena's new body is uh very anatomically correct fooling even her boyfriend played by david Wu. And uh, realizing Ryuichi, Ryuichi, is the psychic killer, or psycho killer, rather, uh, slaughtering prostitutes and what have you. Android Anna, very amazingly endowed Amy Yip, uh, volunteers to pose as a whore, as she's curious about this lovemaking thing that uh, Selena keeps uh, talking about. And on a wild ride we go. So that, that's a kind of flimsy plot for a flimsy movie, but it's still very much, very much fun. Um, some background... It, it was released before Sex and Sen, actually, in 1991, but uh, a performer like Amy Yip had sort of wind in her sails after appearing in Erotic Ghost Story the year before. That was actually quite a successful uh, successful movie. So, uh, you know, the movie's creation isn't all that far-fetched, uh, Robert Trick's uh, creation, but few did, as one reviewer quoted it, uh, to be a mixture of a Russ Meyer film, Terminate, and a Japanese anime. And, and it's not too unfair, actually. Um, again, directed by Jamie Luke, who also wrote and appeared in Escape, in Escape from Brothel. He has several acting credits under his belt, but I really can't think of any movie where he was in as a lead or anything. You know, even supporting actor. You, you know when he's there, but that applies to like 20, 30 movies. So, uh, um, so you know, a bit player, a henchman in Shaw Brothers movie with his moustache and all, you know... That, that, that's the extent of the acting career, really. Uh, but it was the filmmaking career behind the camera that made Jamie break, in my opinion. And uh, he was responsible for a number of uh, uh, genre movies. And it was pretty clear he was thriving when being more out there as movies like Dr. Vampire, this movie, Robotrix, and the wonderful gem, Hello, Who Is It?, are both hoots, silly... And in the case of the latter movie I just mentioned, really dark, partly too. It's a kind of dark ghost romance with goofy cops, essentially. Uh, and it, it's a pretty heinous movie. W- William Ho is in it and uh, stars Lao Ching Wan. Uh, with goofy but, cops, very he, similar to uh, Last House on the Left. Ex- exactly, and, and, a bit, and a bit similar to Robotrix as well, So, uh, but, but more grating though, so... Uh, but his finest movie, Jamie's finest movie as director, is the quirky sync sound murder mystery from 1995 called The Case of the Cold Fish, which features a terrific comedic double act between two great Michaels, Michael Chow and Michael Wong. And Michael willingly sends up his STU and lacking in Cantonese type of image that uh, we usually make uh, fun of uh, <laughs> in our circles, you know, and, and he, he became after playing SDU officers, but here he sends up both of those things, and I love Michael for it, you know, he it's has uh, he's, he has distance, you know, self-distance, and he's conscious about his, uh, you know, pros and cons, if you will. And uh, I, I actually think uh, during three or four movies, I think Michael really is, uh, you know, he's good. He fits movies like this one, Case of the Coldfish, that is, and uh, the likes of Beast Cops. Mm. So, um, you know, Ma- Michael is indeed a man. Uh, we, we've talked fairly extensively about the Amy Yip, me and King Who, so I, I won't return to that convo. But, but instead, check, check the link in the show post back to <laughs> This Week in Sleaze 3. Uh, which was our Sex and Sen uh, special, and uh, there's running time info there about uh, when we discussed the Amy Yip and why King Who is mad at her for not showing off her breasts. <laughs> Very mad. So, so, ch- so check that out, and uh, we'll start the review. So I'll hand over to you, Lord. What's your first quick uh, take on on this uh, Robot Tricks thingy? 
Uh, Robotrix, actually, this uh, wasn't my first time viewing it. Uh, I first discovered it while I was listening to this awesome podcast. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, it's called This Week in Sleaze. You ever some, seen that one? Some, some, some deadbeats on the podcast of Fire Network that had that one. Go! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy, uh, King, uh, what's his face? Who? King uh, Something. Who? I don't know, something no. like that. But, uh, yeah, I think he mentioned it. And uh, I, I, I just had to check it out it sounded like uh insanity and sure enough this movie most uh, certainly fits that title it's robocop with rape and <laughs> pro- probably i don't know it's more of i guess more of a comedy than anything but there's yeah, some dark yeah. material fitting in here and uh just a crazy crazy kind of fun movie kind of something that you probably throw on just to like puzzle people yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely one of Hong Kong cinemas. Uh, so many examples of, uh, you know, it's check it out. Right. These are the movies I like. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, for me, the thought of Robotrix, even if it had not been a good movie and still had the elements, the mm. thought of Robotrix would have been enough. You know, it's fun to think mm. of it, oh, fun yeah. to talk of it. But this is the great but. The execution by Jamie Luke is pretty consistently fun, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously a win win situation right there. If you had to look at it from a character perspective, they are not the interesting characters in the least, but still, that doesn't matter. This is still good, mad fun, and that's, uh, that's uh, you know, a simple way to, to summarize it. It, it. Maybe it doesn't really need a review, but uh, we're here, so why not? <laughs> we're going to do it anyway. So, so I mean, it, it's, uh, it's all about having fun, and obviously the prince of the, sh- uh, of the oil shake is... Uh, one of the three, four westerners in the movie that gets a pretty sweet gig, in my opinion. He gets the sweetest yes. gig on this movie, having fun with the ladies and getting a massage, and then in a wonderful uh, sort of fake scene. Or I don't know how to describe it, but the, the Billy Chow for some reason gets uh, uh, a powerful uh, tranquilizing uh, gas uh, uh, injected into the room uh, before he kidnaps the shake, and that. Uh, everybody falls down on cue within a millisecond of that gas entering the room. <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> and then I, here I'd comes love Billy that. Chow, you know, a minute later, <laughs> Billy Chow comes walking into the room, picking him br- up, and breaks up the fun as always. You know, mm-hmm. bra- Billy Chow. You know, not. Uh, you know, I, I can't think of many comedies with Billy Chow, but uh, I don't know if I need him in a comedy. You know. Uh, uh, it's like everybody else is in a comedy, but Billy Chow, he's here to rape and just do horrible things, you know? Yeah, he, exactly. did, he didn't get the memo. He's, he's here to, you know, fuck shit up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it's always good in this opening scene uh, to uh, see that there's no shyness when it comes to uh, Hong Kong gunplay splatter, you know, blood scripts mm-hmm. in this case, as the character of Selena gets shot. And I, I love that when they are not shy about that. You know, John Woo... Obviously, was not shy about that. You have movies like uh, from Chu and Ping, uh, movies like Requital, if you pronounce it by, like that. They have like splatter-like uh, squibs going off, and that's uh, that's great. Uh, and and speaking of that, like opening therefore, you know, it it plays with us the movie because here you you think you're following a main character, and then you are, you know, and then she gets shot, you know, boom, dead. You know, play here. So Jamie plays with us nicely after killing off the main character. So. Uh, um, so that, that's the opening and then we get a fun sequence uh, <laughs> maybe you have some notes about the whole um, so the, ro- expo? Ro- the expo that's the word of the robo so, expo so go ahead what's your note on that one 
Uh, yeah, after the Sheik or whatever, he finishes with his ladies and gets kidnapped and such, we cut to a robo-expo, some kind of convention for robotics, where we are introduced to a German robot uh, made by some German scientists or what have you, and uh, basically the worst possible fashion that you could ever imagine in your life is condensed into like one room. Yes. And and you get men wearing half tops. You got men with like their bare chests exposed inside of like these silver <laughs> lame costumes and like extremely hairy chests for a robot, which kind of like, you know, why would they have a hairy chest since they're a robot? I don't know. And then you've got <laughs> really bad wigs and you've got slick back hair. You've got big sunglasses and then you got a pretty great little fight sequence so it's yeah, well, everything that's great in hong kong cinema it's great because you know the movie is it's quite low budget and you don't get mm-hmm. so you don't get very you know cool sci-fi design as such you know it's uh but, but but it's curious though because it seems like it's set in at that time modern day early 90s but right. It's high tech stuff like this that it exists amidst the wealth. You know what I mean? So, so, yeah. so, so it's not like they tried to design, you know, a metropolis style Hong Kong or oh, have yeah. you with uh, flying cars and shit like that. Uh, so I do like that, but it's not like the movie can, you know, bo- boost or that they or boast rather that they has extravagant sci-fi design. But I, I do love the fashion, and again. The Westerners get some great gigs. Uh, the German mo- uh, German model is played by American uh, occasional Hong Kong actor Mark King, uh, who was in Once Upon a Time in China, amongst other things. He plays like a, a British uh, general in that one, and he's in Operation Condor as well. Uh, but it, it has like a fucking cod piece almost. It looks like a golden cod piece. Oh, and, and then he fights. Uh, and then he fights. You know, Ken Goodman in a black and terrible wig and. You know, it's fun cheese. It's absolutely terrible and fun cheese. And you wonder to yourself, can this movie maintain this level of fun cheese? And it kind of does, I think. I think so, too. And, like, the whole sequence is utterly ridiculous. I I do like that when they introduced the American uh, robot, which is the shorter... uh, What did you say the actor's name was? Ken Goodman. Ken Goodman. The shorter Ken Goodman. They introduce him as, he's smaller and faster. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's why we made him shorter. You know, we didn't we didn't want an eight foot tall giant. You know, capable of you know all kinds of amazing feats. We wanted a shorter guy with hair all over his chest. It's a kind of Hong Kong uh, American angle. You know, <laughs> exactly. We're gonna cover it up. He's eating hamburgers, you know, <laughs> because they, 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 this whole scene is obviously designed as Hong Kong for the win, because obviously they oh, have the yeah. best robots. Oh, yeah, that's most definitely. Yeah. But you can't go wrong with when, when there's lots of gold and silver design uh, meant to be all sci-fi and robo-y. I guess it's the word. Is that the word? Uh, Blade it, Runner, this is not. No, absolutely. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, it's one of those movies also where you should just go with it and not question logic. Because if you are questioning logic, then you are no fun as a viewer. Oh, gosh. If you can't appreciate maniacal laughter either, go away. Oh, Billy Chow's laughter. <laughs> Gotta bring that up. You know, it's it's almost a theme on, on one of the Facebook pages I frequent, you know, the tilt back and laughter, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's this so, movie. 
Yeah, so uh, it's obviously great. You know, I say all that because obviously they they don't elaborate too much on the fact that they can transfer minds from dead people, you know. You know, it's not no elaborate, you know, science, so to say, behind it, a la fucking flatliners or or, or any kind of movie. Uh, The only movie I can reference in my head was fucking flatliners. (laughs) I would say 2001 or something like that. Uh, The heavy detail as far as, like, what would be capable in space and such like that. Like, this movie, they don't give you any kind of, you know, detailed thing. Basically, we're shown shortly after the expo, um, there's an oil tycoon there, and he turns out to be the father of the uh, sheik. Yep. So the police bust in in the middle of the expo, like in front of everybody, and tell this guy that his kid has been kidnapped. Or I say kid, but his son's like 30 and like covered in hair and was just seen bathing with like five naked Hong Kong girls. Yep. But anyway, so they take him in the back room and they have a video cassette that had been dropped off uh, with the dead body of Celine. And so they watch the tape and own it. You've got this older gentleman uh, who ends up committing Harry Carey, and his brain is somehow transferred into Billy Wong's. But the only explanation we ever get is, oh, he can't do it unless he's dead. That's basically it. That's yeah. the scientific explanation. For and just roll with process. it after that. I mean, if you on this movie, not you, but uh, generally viewers, you know, mm-hmm. Hinge on that, and it made me sense. Then go, go away, go away. This movie is not for you. Honestly, so. if if you're still in there after the expo with like the uh, you know the gold lame and it's the, a uh, serious global commentary. I'm into this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a transferring mind. I say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're not in there at this point, then you're really in the wrong movie. You yeah. Need to be watching something else. Uh, and 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 also what 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 you shouldn't really question again is a low budget movie is that why technology on the outside again Amy Yip plays you know a perfectly formed robot including you know on on the outside obviously she looks gorgeous but on the inside you know every, not all movies can have you know Terminator esque robots on the inside so wh- wh- when she lifts up her skin you know it's uh, almost almost low tech on the inside and then. Um, on the outside, it's pitch perfect. So, oh yeah, but I love that kind of stuff. You know, where it's uh, all like, I all, all, almost expected it to be like two wheels ground grinding in there, and, like, <laughs> and then on the outside, perfect Amy. The technology and stuff like that. You know, I just was like breezing through the movie again earlier today, and I'm just thinking to myself, it's like, okay, this uh, sheik or whatever, this guy, he's been kidnapped, right? And we've got to we've got to save him as quick as possible. But they go ahead and they they uh, they probably took the robot that they already had or whatever in order to make Celine's body. Yeah, the the but, robot that is on the, at the expo. But they go and make her so anatomically correct, and they had to have done this in hours. You know, built the <laughs> skin flesh suit that's completely and utterly pitch perfect and everything like that well they did they, know how to twiddle knobs and and uh, on, on the on their whole uh, oh, yeah. board, pa- panel of uh, blinking lights you know they, they did twiddle knobs quite all right so you know and i've seen amy yip turning those knobs and stuff like that and they had all that technological stuff around them i was on board <laughs> I was no she's so smart and her breasts are huge it's amazing <laughs> they look so convincing uh, and scientists, you know, and the breasts look convincing, of course. Of course, they do. They're natural. Yes. Sure. Uh, but uh, and again, 
this movie brings up questions though about what it means to be human but it's hardly ghost in the shell type philosophy here you know <laughs> it, it, it tends to be serious because the, 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 there is a latter scene you know, you know when uh, you know uh, later when David Wu has uh, almost a second sex scene with uh, yeah. Selena and I, by the way I should mention a Japanese actress's name that plays Selena it's Ayoma Chikako who was in uh, very few Hong Kong movies though, uh, like five and I don't remember if she um, played a Talk- lead in any of the other ones she was in some interesting Japanese work um, is, she a, is she a Navy actor? So? Um, a little or, bit she okay. did um, she was in it that, seemed like she could act a little bit though she, yeah. she, she, a little bit of range she was in um, the Rape Man series. <laughs> <laughs> Not the best example yeah. of her classier work, mind She, she you. did some classy works that the Criterion is about to release. It's called The Rape Man. The Rape Man of Edo, part one and two. She was in those. Um, I actually posted about that on uh, Facebook somewhere recently, but that's basically the most like repulsive type of uh, manga that ever came about, and they made a whole bunch of live-action movies. But... After that, after Robotrix and uh, Rape Man, she actually appeared in like a Shinji Oyama film, which is kind of like impressive. Uh, she was in Chinpira, which is a movie that I've been meaning to see forever. I'm actually a fan of that director. He made uh, EM Embalming and Eureka, and uh, both of those are really great films that I would recommend people track down. And she was also in like the critically hailed uh, Gohato, a gay taboo, with uh, Takeshi Kitano. And uh, the little androgynous dude from, like, Blue Spring. I forget his name. Uh, I should know that. I've seen a million of his movies. But, yeah, she was in some interesting stuff after this. But probably, I would assume, in the Oyama film and Taboo, she was probably in smaller roles. And uh, going back to the scene where we... uh, That the movie kind of tries to play the series card is, like, the scene where she tells, you know, David Wu, who now knows she is a robot, that... The, you know, the, there's no difference between us and the dead Selena, you know, look, and then she takes off her clothes, obviously, and that, 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 that's just, thank you, Jamie, uh, Jamie, yeah. look, you know, thank you for being very considerate, uh, you there's know, some drama. yeah, exactly, and, uh, but, but he kind of, you know, it doesn't lead to a sex scene, uh, <laughs> which it did earlier, so it's a kind of, uh, you know, he, he is exploitation-y, but not fully, so right. I, I kind of like that. Uh, so, but we we mentioned goofy cops, and and there there oh, are evidence course. at the beginning that whenever sex around, goofy cops will go all <laughs> 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 or, or they will turn into rapists. You never know. It's a one second transformation into uh, something. But who one that doesn't show he's willing to be part of any goofy mo- uh, mode or mood is Billy Chow. And he's going to bring out the raw, disturbing side of a movie. And, and yeah, I mean, he, he gets the same... It's his second scene, really, but it's, it's, he gets the same scene as in Escape from Brothel, as you, uh-huh. as you said. You know, he p- picks up the wrong girl at, at the bar, and then there's a kind of a blackmail, uh, blackmail thing going on there. But then he beats the, beats the shit out of this guy in the toilet because he's a robot. Punches a hole in his stomach, basically. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, so, so Jamie is, you know having this raw disturbing side to the movie which i think quite uh you know works well you know and uh yeah yeah we, we lead into that you know essentially rape uh, yeah. uh rape of the girl that he then throws out the window onto the car you know and you know <laughs> billy that's uh, this movie yeah. i mean he he has it whenever he's asked to do this he seems like he can snap into bad guy 
oh, bad guy villainous mode easily. I mean, you gotta admire that uh, because you are genuinely frightened of him in these movies. He's the quintessential villain, man. You know, I mean, he he's the, he's a guy that really, I mean, if you take a look at him and stuff like that, especially in like Escape from Brothel, he didn't really have an intimidating like appearance. In that movie, he's wearing like almost like Hawaiian shirts most of the time and everything like that. But he's he's just kind of looks tallish, lanky dude. Doesn't have like a, you know, he's not a muscular guy or like anything like that. But it's all in his you know, bravado and what he puts out there on the screen. He just seems like a ruthless, horrible son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. And uh, he, he definitely does that in this movie. He wears a lot more leather this time around, which does add to his appearance. You know, makes him probably seem a little thicker and everything like that. But, yeah, he really doesn't even need it. You know, he could be out there in tidy whities and he'd still look like a <laughs> bastard. Hell yes. But, uh, but again, I, I alluded to this uh, a little, little while ago, again, sort of the goofy side uh, to the movie. I mean, again, Amy Yip's robot is looking, you know, she's fascinated with the human traits and the human yes. interaction and uh, the human interaction like sex. Sexual intercourse. And Amy is very enthusiastic in this movie. I mean, oh, she, yeah. she's very cute. The character is very cute and enthusiastic. And Amy sells that as well, you know. Uh, she, she's, a, she, she's a gamer, even though she still has that trait that we all know in movies of not showing uh, not showing her, her nipples in movies nope. it's always shown at strategic angles which is uh, annoying but <laughs> you, you gotta go you gotta go for it and uh, this mainly happens in the in the sort of undercover scenario at the brothel where they are going mm-hmm. to try and lure in customers and lure in Billy Chow obviously but since all the cops the stupid silly cops like Amy oh. uh, they are you know, there's little concern in the movie for the kidnapped as the, these men, these goofy cops, are easily distracted in the name of sex. Yes. And, and that's why the undercover operation goes the way it goes, you know, into the comedic. And I know Very I, I, bizarre, really, when yeah. you sit down to think about it, that they're basically setting up this sting operation or what have you and watching, uh, you know, Amy Yip sit in there with uh, Stuart Ong, yep. of all things, uh, who pops in to have sex with her as the first John. But it's like they sitting there, they're watching her have sex. Like, shouldn't you know? I mean, this is this was the plan, really. Especially like when it was first, you know, put out there. It was originally going to be all three girls, if you mm-hmm. remember, at like the little meeting that the cops have. Yep. So it was like, so David Wu was about to sit there and put his girlfriend <laughs> out there to have sex with various guys for no reason or what have you. Mm-hmm. But. This is, once again, it's not really a movie that's very well concerned with how things actually work in the real world. Nope. This is just, this is the world of Robotrix. And, and, and they, these are sidetracks that are never boring, though. Uh, <laughs> co- you know, compared to Escape from Brothel, I think, the comedy here, because it is a lighter movie. Mm-hmm. It never grates uh, like some Hong Kong movies mm-hmm. could grate, you know what I mean? Uh, and uh, Whereas in... Um, Escape from Brothel, it was mostly an intense film with slight segues into comedy. This is mostly a more comedic movie with more slight segues into kind of extreme violence or what have you. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, that, that leads us into, you know, if anything, anyone shown a clip of Robotrix, I think the scene at the quarry is one of those uh, oh clips uh, because uh, Billy Chow is meeting some people he's going to have a transaction with, a monetary transaction. He opens up uh, dead. A bag of money, but there's no money, and then he decapitates the dude with the uh, with the picnic ha- uh, box almost. You know, 
Massive flying guillotine style. Yeah, story of Ricky style type of gore, you know, all of a sudden. And yeah, the movie has been violent, but it's a a gorier side to the movie that, you know, in in a sort of wishful thinking way, you wish the movie was structured more around this type of violence but it, it, it is not funny violence yeah, yeah. And, and the splatter type violence which i enjoy <laughs> uh, and uh, but but it's not like the movie is bad because of it but no it, it's a type of splatter that i i like it i like it i go, I go back to basics i go back to caveman style you know <laughs> behavior you know exactly <laughs> you know billy smash <laughs> <laughs> I threw a rock, broke his head, made him explode in blood. <laughs> <laughs> That's not far from the truth, man. Mm-hmm. For for me, anyway, you know. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's funny violence. Then uh, the movie never forgets that Billy Chow can dish out uh, heavy-duty violence. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, you sort of cringe at the drill violence. You remember oh, yeah. that scene? Yeah, out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The torture scene of the of the son there in in, in, in the bus station, the sheik there, he just drills him in the leg, and it's not nice. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but but and and despite all of this, the movie doesn't uh, fall into any any traps of uh, featuring too much comedy or too much violence yeah. or too little of Eva. I think uh, what I reacted to was that this movie moves very very fast, and it's a ninety minutes. Yeah. Simple, uh, you know, co- coherent and just uh, efficient. I guess is the is the word. Despite the moods being all over the place, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, what uh, what did you think? Therefore, when later in the movie, there's some vicious death of goofy characters. You know, the the guy, the cop that gets run over, uh, run yeah. over by Billy Chow. What do you think about that stuff? Uh, when they've set up a character like that, who's goofy, and then they end up the killing him. Uh, character's name was what? Puppy, I think. Uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, puppy, and yeah, that that, and then there's the also the rape sequence. You know, the one at the end of a very nice character, I guess that we've kind of grown to know. You know. Yeah. The, both very very brutal sequences that kind of come out of nowhere. The puppy one. <laughs> The puppy one. The puppy one's uh, slightly less to me, like because it is just kind of like blatant violence, and you know I don't know. It's kind of dulled down a bit because you can tell that it's a dummy kind of being run over, mm-hmm. basically. And for those who don't know, yes, the character is run over, and uh, like a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no. It still, it still hurts though because it's a, yeah, such a you know, you know boom kinda, boom sequence. He, he kind of had uh, some of the funnier bits out of all the cops in the movie, you know, and he's kind of the, I don't know, just the big lovable oaf of the yeah. group. And you know, I actually had him in my notes as like being one of my favorite characters, and you know, and his his um, death kind of seems to go by without any kind of like uh, anything big happening around it you know it's not like a character we don't get uh, anything afterward it's just like boom he's dead mm-hmm. you know let's move on let's keep going into this violent territory and uh, yeah it's a little shocking it comes out of nowhere but you know it's just you're kind of built into this movie this world of robo tricks and that's just kind of the way things seem to happen here and mm-hmm. I, as a viewer I was a little bit enraptured by it i suppose yes, yes. and uh, that uh, billy chow rape scene uh, uh, that uh, 
we won't go too much into details here, but it's a, it, it features two distinctive things. Well, well, three really. It's a pretty nasty one. Uh, you know, he forces her in many ways in that uh, in that regard. But the the, the sounds on the music on the soundtrack sounds almost like it's out of a Clockwork Orange, <laughs> which it might be with some slight slight remixing because it didn't sound quite bit, quite like it. But I reacted to it that way, like, whoa, wait a minute, <laughs> and. Uh, and and this is unusual for for movies. Uh, the following thing that I'm about to say: you get full frontal nudity from Billy Chow or yes. a fake penis, but still a penis in pretty. <laughs> it's pretty visible after he's raped uh, this character, uh, yeah. you know that we're talking about. And I was, I was pretty shocked to see that because uh, to it to, for it to be intact, uh, yeah. because the category three rating didn't mean the censors won't go at you. But shit, no, they will, and if they uh, if they see uh, reasons to. And I'm surprised this was in there. It's not a close-up insert, but it's there. Where he zips up, and you can see yeah, not any metallic cock or anything. It's like you know a human penis, but and obviously not his. I, I, I think they get away with it, but I think they created something. I hope there's a did. lot of there's a lot of hair surrounding it. So I, <laughs> I think either either he doesn't uh, groom or. It's uh, possibly could be something that's layered over, you know, and covered up by all of that hair. But yeah, it's it's very out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like, oh, what? I, oh, they don't want me to rape people. Okay, what if I show my dick? <laughs> <laughs> then can I rape an extra person? Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a you, it's an eyebrow racer. So um, and uh, and it's not uh, supposed to be nice either. It's nothing fun about this. And uh, you're supposed it's, to hate Billy Chow, the robot Billy Chow, when you do. Oh God, it's it's very brutal. And you know, another thing I would mention about it is that uh, mouth rape. You know, not something you often see in uh, no, no, no. these type of films. Forced, uh, you know, oral sex, and mm. it's like very very brutal. Yeah, not I mean, fun stuff. I, I mean, again, coming back to the discussion earlier in the show, pe- people will probably be correct if they say that they, they, this doesn't belong in this type of movie, but I, I don't mind it being there because of the hatred you're supposed to have for Yeah, for oh, and you will like hate this. it too. And, uh, you know, I, I turn off my sort of moral moral center, if you will, in these movies and just, so to say, enjoy them. This is not enjoyment as such, obviously, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, it's manipulation is what yeah. it is and it's like they're doing it on purpose and you just kind of have to run with it mm-hmm. but running up my reviews I think as fun as the movie is uh, the, the the finale is slight let down because it doesn't yeah. have Selena but it you know it's a scrapyard finale with a big magnet to uh, for a, you know to attempt to make it bigger and but it's not the most you know snappy of finales as they uh, trap Billy Joe. Uh, in the big, uh, you know, scrapyard magnet uh, and all of that. So uh, I think, uh, I guess, I don't know. You have David Wu, who's throughout the whole movie talked about his fear of heights and yeah, during the sequence. You know, fucking <laughs> once. It's not me, you know, drama that's okay. echoed throughout the movie. So. Right. Well, there's two scenes, right? There's the one sequence where he has dinner with uh, Selena earlier, and then there's the one, like, in the rock quarry where he's like, even though nothing's said, he's just kind of like, scared because he's stand, you know, so high up on the rock or whatever oh, yeah, with yeah. the rest of the girls. It's like, I guess that's it. And then that sequence, you know, the finale or whatever has him conquering his fears, even though he's really, he's a secondary character. He's, you know, he's playing to the left of the girls, you know. So, 
kind of a wasted opportunity probably, but it's still a decent little sequence, you know? Yeah, it doesn't outstay, uh, outstays welcome in the movies. Right. Uh, quickly ended and ends on a light note and all of that, so... Uh, uh, it, it, it's a fantastic cap to the finale uh, that when the whole uh, uh, whole container falls on him, I love that it doesn't crush him immediately. You know, yeah. he's, he's so uh, you know, you know, yeah, in stages it cr- yes. crushes him, and I love like those buildings. inserts. Yeah, exactly. Very nice. Robin and flattening him, flattening him like a pancake. Uh, they yes. did that, which was fantastic. I think, uh, uh, and, and a, a nice. You know, cutaways to that. You know, some nice little effect sequence there for, uh, in that regard. So yeah, I, it's a uh, it, it's a big yay for Robotrix uh, uh, without uh, having a huge summary. So uh, that's my notes essentially. Anything you want to end with? Any summary on the film? Uh, no, I think I'm pretty much in agreement. It's super fun. Uh, Amy Yip has big boobies. So does uh, Chicago Yama, and uh, yeah, rock on. And uh, on that note, I mean, uh, w- what's your views on Amy Yip? You know, have you seen a lot of her? I mean, I, I-, I know you probably knew of her, but uh, that yeah. doesn't always mean that you automatically have seen Sex and Zen or what have you. But uh... I've seen Sex and Zen, and I've seen, uh, I think she was in Erotic Ghost Story, right? Yes. Yes, I've seen both of those and this film. So I you know, have a basic opinion of her, and the fact that I don't hate her like King Who, you know. I think I, I'm kind of impressed that she was able to be well, in the films that she was without showing her nipples. Well, I should say King Who doesn't hate her. He hates the fact that he doesn't show, <laughs> she doesn't show her breasts when she goes 95 percent all out. Why not 100 yes. uh, percent? So a fine uh, distinction, I suppose. Yeah. But, uh yeah, I do think that she's a very charismatic actress, and uh, she kind of has that cute little sensibility in a lot of her, you know, the work I've seen from her. And yeah, yeah Sex and Sin, and this uh, Sex and Sin, she's very funny. In, yes, if you remember, if you remember her a little bit uh, from that movie, and uh, this certainly, she's cute and she's uh, into it, and you know, Spunky. she had, yeah, exactly. That's a good she's... word to use for this type of podcast. <laughs> exactly. I was actually thinking about going with uh, Jizzy J for my, uh, <laughs> my, my nickname. But I was like, nah, I don't want to be called Jizz the whole time. <laughs> but yes, anyway, back to Amy. Yep. Yeah, I think she's she's very fun and uh, a nice little actress. You know, I mean, it'd be hard for me to picture her in too many dramatic gigs, but I bet she could probably do it. She probably holds up. Yeah, she's done. Uh... Turn a turtleneck. <laughs> she's done uh, at least uh, one like dramatic lead performance it was in kind of an exploitation movie it's a movie called Queen of Underworld mm-hmm. uh, it, it was produced by Wong Jing very category free-ish but uh, it stayed within the two a very brutal movie a, a, tri- a tribe movie she's the head of uh, one of the tribe gangs and all of that but uh, wow. you know she it's not too bad and she's been she was in China Girls with Lam Ching Ying kind of an immigrant drama and she doesn't make a fool out of herself Mm-hmm. Definitely not, but uh, uh, she 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 is remembered for this type of material, and that's not a bad thing. No. Um, I mean, I, uh, J- Jamie Lucas, director. You haven't had too much experience with his movies, but you know, what do you extract from this movie? Does it fill you with any confidence that uh, I might check out a movie or two? Absolutely, absolutely. Just the pure adrenaline-driven fun of this project you know i mean there's probably few films in this filmography that probably could live up to it i would imagine but there's you know, no one is... quite like this it's uh, exactly. uh the, the movies one... i mentioned that i liked are not like this the case of the cold fish is a very right. dry comedy 
like just like kind of like the story of Ricky, you know, even though that filmmaker is he has a lot of different great movies in his filmography. There's nothing that's quite like this other one, but it, it kind of opens you up to other, you know, experiences and different things. So, yeah, yes. I would like to check out more of his work. Yeah, Case Actually. of the Cold Fish is uh, the one, and, uh, and and maybe that movie that had uh, uh, the very funny title, I haven't seen it in years, uh, what was it, uh, Bomb Disposal Officer Baby Bomb. Baby, yeah, Baby Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Got to see that. So, but yeah, Doctor Vampire is fantastic, and uh, Hello, who is it? It's a rare movie, but very, very, very nasty movie, to be honest. I think mm-hmm. I'm gonna bring it up sometime to, uh, uh, to the podcast on fire, guys, as part of our joint discussion of the week, yeah, because it's uh, one of those movies that jolts you a little bit. That it, it can be that dark, but it can be that incredibly silly, but in a kind of a bad way as well. You know, they are, mm-hmm. they are grating cops. You know, uh, clownish. You know, wow. Uh, <laughs> but, but. That's what you expect out of Hong Kong movies. And uh, f- f- finally, Billy Chow, you know, he's gotten a big J throughout this podcast. But, you know, for, for you, can you see him play play it completely straight and opposite to, vi- to Vicious? Or that's his forte for you? Uh, as far as I have ever seen, <laughs> you know, Billy Chow, I, I, I struggle to think of any film I've seen where he just wasn't a conniving evil bastard. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, he could probably do it as an actor. I think he's strong enough, you know, but he's so good at being evil. Mm-hmm. You know, he does. He excels at that, you know, between this Fist of Legend, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, he, he is definitely a, a great cinematic bad guy, similar to Johnny Wang, who, you know, directed the previous film. Mm-hmm. Just one of those guys that, you know, hey, you know what? He's a talented actor, but God, he is a great bad guy. Oh, yeah. And, uh Need to see more of his penis. See if it's that. Was <laughs> wow! And that's that's how you end the discussion, right there. Yes. You've uh, made uh, you made your name on this uh, podcast by <laughs> capping a discussion like that. So wow. Uh, next time on the This Week in Sleaze Double Bill, and I think we'll do this for the next episode just to uh, get some episodes uh, going, and I hope you'll join me for that one, Lord. Uh, next time on This Week in Sleaze, we'll do 1974's Kidnap and 1989's Sentence to Hang. And this is movies that are very much connected. The latter, Sentence to Hang, is important because it's the very first Hong Kong movie to receive the category 3 rating that was established in the late 80s. I think the first movie to receive it, uh, you know, regardless of it's been a Hong Kong movie or not, was I think Scorsese's Last Temptation of Christ. Hmm. Uh, but uh, this was the first local movie to re- receive that rating, but it's actually a remake of the Shaw Brothers drama Kidnap from 1974. And a pretty literal remake too as I realized when I saw a remake. Hey! That is familiar. That is also familiar. That is beat for beat from that fucking... Uh, yeah, that's right. I don't know that movie now. Uh, it's a true life uh, crime story as well. So it uh, fits in the, in the category 3 mold, but it's not akin to you know, the nastiness of, uh, of a Dr. Lamb or untold story. Uh, so, um, but it's, uh, I think it's important to bring it up on, on this week in Sleaze. And, uh, and bringing, it in, uh, bringing it up and in onto the double bill doesn't mean we're... We are going to breeze through it and kind of uh, make fun of it. We're going to treat it as it deserves to be treated as an important one, but uh, with honesty as well. So, right. uh, stars uh, Tony Leung, Elvis Choi, Ken Cheng, and uh, so I mean it's not not a small movie as such. And uh, no. uh, so that's next time. So 
will run through some contact information again and then sign off. So you've been listening to This Week in Sleaze on the Podcast on Fire network. God, I missed saying that. It's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we're all located at podcastonfire.com. We can be contacted through various ways. Podcastonfire at googlemail.com is our email. You can hit us up on our message forum, podcastonfire.com forward slash forum. Again, check out the members only on there. Check out the bonus episodes archive that is steadily building up on the website. And we're also on Facebook in two ways. Our fan page is facebook.com forward slash POF network. But if you search Podcast on Fire Network, you'll also find our discussion group. So welcome in and, and uh, have, a, have a good old chat with us. Uh, our Twitter is also twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. My written reviews can be found on SoGoodReviews.com, including Escape from Brothel. And by the time this podcast is out, I think my Robotrix review has finally been uploaded. And all of that is also video reviewed at SleazyKVideo.com. And I and I talk about all that nonsense on Twitter.com forward slash SoGoodReviews. Subscribe and rate the Podcast on Fire Network on iTunes and stream us on Stitcher. Download that from Stitcher.com to your computer and uh, if you want it on your smartphone like your iPhone just go to the app store and search Stitcher it's a free application and uh, your two plugs if you will Lord Josh vcinemashow.com for the vcinema podcast featuring myself <laughs> Golf and John and Dr. Stan um, where well, well, you'll be talking like this throughout the two I, hours I talk like this for two and a half hours while they we are discuss. annoyed every time I do it but I still <laughs> do it <laughs> Also, buriedcelluloid.net, where I write reviews. I also covered... I'm doing Batman at this point. I've turned into Batman. But, uh, <laughs> Tell me where the reviews are! <laughs> Tell me where the reviews are! Huh? I've reviewed Robotrix on buriedcelluloid.net. Where's the Joker? And, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Alright, okay, this has been a great, great old time. Thankfully, this week's lease is back. I've missed it, and it's not like uh, I've been blaming King Who for not uh, not being on here. His life first dopey podcast, not even on the list. That's all we say. Uh, but good to have you on, Josh, and I hope you can be on again. Yay, I will. Cool. Uh, so, I've been your host, Lisa K, and you choose how you want to sign off, man. Which name would you like to sign off as? Um, might be. Um, uh, the lo- great lord, Josh Regal. <laughs> a combo of them all, so that's good. Yes. That's good enough. We we can work on that if you like. It's not uh, definitive what happens here. So, right on. Thanks everybody for listening. See you later.